Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Nepetian, and Zion Trammell. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. My name's Ian Nepetian, and tonight I'm joined alongside my boys Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle once again on this fine Wednesday evening. We hope everyone out there is doing well and and thank you so much for tuning in here tonight on this Wednesday night but we got a great episode for you all we're going to start off with a little TCU football but before that how are you guys doing so far this week doing good you know just it's it's so nice out today the weather's you know feeling good starting to get into that fall weather so thank goodness for that because I'm so sick of this heat as everyone else is uh, but yeah I'm doing good feeling feeling good about this episode yeah, it's a it's a good time. It's October. It's the best sports month of the year, which means that these next couple of shows that we got for y'all are going to be jam packed, full of just a ton of stuff. And we we've been this has been a, a very football centric show. Uh, I feel like since August, but now that we got baseball playoffs, hockey's coming around. We're going to talk about that later. Basketball starting soon. We're going to talk about that next week. It's just a great time uh, to be a sports fan, uh, particularly in the United States, and, and we got it all covered for y'all. It's going to be a ton of fun this episode included yeah and again just for everyone listening tuning in if you guys are listening live on 88.7 the choice or watching this um on youtube tuning in on spotify or apple podcast thank you so much for the support again be sure to follow us at riff ram review on tiktok and instagram that's at riff ram review for some more content um throughout the week but yeah again we've got a great episode this is episode number seven so we've been running strong here for seven weeks so far and we're, we're loving every minute of it but Getting just right into it, we've got some TCU football to talk about before recapping some college football talk. And then again, baseball is pure October for us. So we got some baseball segments coming up. Then we're going to talk about some NFL and some NHL talk ahead. But guys, we got to talk about this TCU football game against um, the Iowa State Cyclones. The TCU Horned Frogs traveled up to Ames this last Saturday. And man, it just did not feel too competitive. No, God, please, no, no, brutal, no. It was rough. Oh, it you, was. You left out the last. No. Sorry. There's. Yeah. It was. It's okay. But, dude, it, it's. It was a. It was a tough time in Ames for the Froggy Boys. It was. It was. And I mean, I, I guess simply, I mean, this was a game that not many of us probably would have had as a loss for this year, similar to that West Virginia game two weekends ago. But you go into Ames, TCU, historically. Their last three games before, you know, before this Saturday night, had lost each of those games up in Ames, Iowa, against the Cyclones. And I mean, to be honest, Iowa State showed up. Credit to them; they played the better football game all around. They played a much better 60 minutes. But for TCU, you know, now you're three and three. Chandler Morris obviously getting hurt is really difficult. But I just felt like Iowa State controlled every facet of this game, and I never at at a single point felt hey, TCU's going to come back and kind of notch this thing. Yeah, I think the one advantage TCU had was their jerseys. <laughs> Iowa State's jerseys were, I mean, they were bad. Who decided bad. on that choice? Look at us deflecting blame. With with the pants and the everything about it, it was just, ugh. It, it looked like they were running around with red T-shirts on, and that was it. <laughs> it did. I mean, honestly, that, that so that was the only advantage I think TCU had. But... 
going back to the game, I mean, yeah, the Chandler Morris injury was really tough to watch. He's been through a lot in his collegiate career, and you know, to see him lose his starting job after getting hurt uh, in week one last year, you know, you're really rooting for this guy, and then he goes down again, and here comes Josh Hoover, and we're just hoping for the best, you know, hoping for a speedy recovery. But, yeah, now you I, – I think overall TCU just got outplayed in every facet of the that you can think of. It was just a really disappointing game. And, you know, the defense could only do so much. It, you know, Iowa State got some great field position at times. And, yeah, overall it, it's – it was ugly and not not a good way to – come back home and off, off a loss like that what a weird game when the off when the tcu offense uh has almost 200 more yards than iowa state does and loses by two scores what a just an odd circumstance but like it didn't feel like that was the case ever right as y- y'all said it uh much like the tc houston game several weeks ago yeah. arm's length the entire time right iowa state was the better football team on the field. Uh, Iowa State is has been, you know, pretty feisty a little bit uh, at times. That's kind of how I I describe them as feisty. Uh, but it was a game that TCU going into it, uh, they feel like they should have won and probably should have. I mean, you outgain a team by 200 total yards of offense, and you if you if you told that to the coaching staff going in, you say, oh, okay, we crushed them, we dominated the game. And it was anything but that. Turnovers were a problem. Obviously, Chandler's injury uh, played a factor. And now going forward, if we want to pivot to that, because I feel like that's what the bigger story of this game is, is less so, hey, they lost in Ames, but the road ahead is really tough. And now you're sending in a redshirt freshman quarterback who has very limited experience on the football field collegiately to try and take you through some of the toughest games on your schedule as you try and get to bowl eligibility, which now seems like something that's really far out of reach yeah and and i mean just taking a look at the schedule quickly this saturday on october 14th tcu plays byu at home but then they hit the road for two straight weeks playing against kansas state that's in manhattan kansas now maybe kansas state isn't as good as we initially thought based off of the start of this season but manhattan is no easy place to go and and get a college football win then you go to texas tech that's you know, for TCU, hopefully a winnable game that they, they that they've circled and saying, hey, if we're gonna win some games and get to bowl eligibility, that Texas Tech game needs to be it. Then you come back, you play Texas, Baylor, then you finish the season away at Oklahoma. I mean, this is probably the worst time for any player on TCU that's you know, especially like Chandler Morris, that's been so crucial to this team. This is the worst time for them to get hurt. But I mean for for Josh Hoover, I mean, this is you're kind of getting thrown into the fire here. But I'm at the same time, I'm a little excited to see what he can do. Yeah, because I mean, the offense has really sputtered a lot recently, and Imani Bailey seems to be the one consistent guy that they can go to. He had a great game. I think 21 carries for 152 yards, I believe, and he looked really good. So obviously, you're going to have to depend on him moving forward. But yeah, this is a an opportunity for Josh Hoover to go out and prove himself. We haven't seen much of him. I think early on in the game, he probably felt a little bit of nerves. I, I would, I would too, if I was put in that situation, thinking you're not going to come in. And sure enough, here you are. Uh, but you know, he showed some arm talent. I think it's there. It's just more about getting reps, and that's one thing Sonny Dykes mentioned in the press conference on Tuesday is that. 
you know, a quarterback needs reps, and there's only so much that you could get in practice. When you're actually out in the game, that's where you really get that experience. So he's going to need it, and I'm I'm pretty curious to see how he can do. Yeah, it's kind of tough though that he's getting thrown in during the uh, the toughest stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. Like when we talked about TCU's path to, especially after the Colorado loss, path to bowl eligibility, it was the early slate early schedule right it was nickel state it was uh smu houston iowa state and west virginia those are the those are the wins you need to get if you can you you're favored in all of those tcu's been favored in every game they have played so far this season they've lost three of them uh and, and they were favored by a lot against west virginia by a lot against colorado and by a significant margin against iowa state those are the games you got to go out and, and and win and then when you lose three of them you're left scratching your head because then like we've already mentioned, Texas is coming, Oklahoma's coming up, Kansas State, the reigning Big 12 championship is coming up, BYU, they're always, you know, a tough out. Baylor and Texas Tech, rivalry games, they're, the opponents are going to be amped up for those, especially Texas Tech, if that's at Lubbock at night, oh, I'm scared, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it's tough, but it's an exciting opportunity for a young quarterback who has very limited reps, like you said, Zion, and this is how he's going to get better, is just by playing in the games. Uh I'm I, I'm interested to see how it goes. I hope for success, but it is a little gloomy in Fort Worth. Yeah, can we, can we talk about that for a second? How completely different this season has gone than even most people sort of expected. Hey, this isn't last year's team, but a lot of people circled that Kansas State game as look TCU could be seven and seven and zero or six and one yeah you're like yeah this is that's gonna be the big game and then both teams have just not lived up to expectations i think not many people saw tcu being three and three and man it just feels just it just sucks like i, I don't know i guess it's really hard to go from going to the national championship to just hoping you get a bowl game and it's not it's not really on the play. I mean, there's just so much roster turnover that it's almost impossible to keep that consistency going. But man, is this season completely turned around in yeah. a weird way? Yeah, and and I mean, just on that topic, right? I mean, and and, and I don't want to, you know, say that people are being naive, but personally, I just feel like how can you look at a schedule and say, "Yep, we're going to win the first seven, or we'll go six and one." There was so much turnover from this offense last year to this year defensively you lost two or three guys offensively you lost every single skill player you lost depth the guys that are playing now half of them weren't on the team last year and the ones that were were not in a prominent role and didn't play a prominent role last year and I'm just I feel like the fan base this isn't you know to throw shade at the TCU fan base because you're excited after a national championship you know season that you go there and play but you can't be so in over your head saying, hey, we're going to be back with how much roster turnover there was. There were almost 10, maybe 11 guys from TCU that were selected and drafted or signed as undrafted free agents. That is huge. And especially with our offensive line, one of the pieces that I think has really crumbled. I mean, you lost two or three guys from that O-line to NFL teams. If you don't have an O-line, you can have a great quarterback, you can have a great running back, you can have a great receiving core. If you have no O-line, which TCU is really struggling with right now, you can't do anything. And yes, I agree with all those points, but that is also not to say that it is still extremely disappointing, right? Yeah. 
Like, this is not the outcome that any of us foresaw because we saw the transfer portal class, we saw the incoming freshman class, and then we saw those players that didn't play prominent roles last year, but, like, the talent, and we saw flashes, like Savion Williams, for example, right? We saw flashes of greatness from him last year. Uh, and then you, you bring in guys like Trey Sanders, and you're like, oh, former five-star running back at Alabama, like he's going to play a very prominent role. Imani Bailey, we saw good things out of him. Uh, And then Chandler Morris, you expect a lot out of him as well. So, yes, that is all true, but it is still just a big letdown after you built up a season which was arguably and probably the greatest TCU football season of all time, at least in the past 25 years, and then you come off of it with the dud so far yeah and it's also frustrating because the big 12 kind of sucks this year with football i mean it's it's been one of the most uncompetitive you know um conferences um, conferences. yeah yeah because you had you have texas and ou well oklahoma's the best team in the big 12 i would say you know or or texas whichever one and then there's kansas and then after that i mean good luck i mean seth and i were trying to well like pile our power rankings yeah and then the gap but the gap between OU yep. and Texas, and then and then big big gap, and then yeah. Kansas because Texas beat the crap out of Kansas. They did, yeah, yeah. And and again, I I think it's yeah. I mean, th- this season's tough, and I think what's tough is that no one wanted to see this season as a rebuild, right? A reload is what we were looking for. Right? Yeah. yeah, we were looking more as hey, this may not be the ideal season. We'll look at it more as a transition year of, hey, we're going to get some new guys. There's going to be some bumps in the road. But I don't think anyone really expected, hey, this is this is much more of a teardown and a gutting of the house than, than you really think, right? I mean, this is a completely new team. Yeah, because good college football programs are able to sustain maybe not as many losses as TCU had, but still be competitive. I mean... We all we all see that with various college football programs across the country, and you're hoping that TCU could sort of cement itself as, hey, we can go toe to toe with a lot of these programs. But quite frankly, it's just gone in that opposite direction. But I think we're all hopeful here. We hope that TCU can turn this around. It's not like we hope things keep going bad. Obviously, you want TCU to turn things around, and so I think it starts this week against BYU. You know, if you're gonna look forward to the rest of the season as maybe we can get a bowl game it starts this week against BYU at home you got to get a win here if if you're gonna have a season that could be somewhat successful first time welcoming one of the new big 12 members to Fort Worth uh this was a game I had circled on the calendar coming into the year I was very excited for it I thought the circumstances would be a bit different (laughs) but I'm still you know pretty excited about it BYU has been a team that I've like followed a lot because uh I mean they've been an independent and it's just they're usually pretty good right They're, they're they're a very competent football program uh one thing to say is I guess we're getting into the BYU preview here BYU has a bunch of grown men on their team. I'm serious. Like, these are 25, 26-year-old men, right, who have, you know, LDS church members who have gone on mission and then come back to school, and then they're 26, but they still have college eligibility. I mean, uh, man, what is his name? The quarterback last year for them. I'm forgetting his name. Something Hall. Uh, But anyway, you know, I'll find that in a minute. But he he had a wife and two kids. And he's playing quarterback for BYU. That's a grown quarterback. That's a grown man. But yeah. here's, and here, here's what that, all that to say is, I don't care how talented you are as an 18 year old, four 
three or four star. This is a little bit different maybe for five stars, but if you're a three and four star, very talented 18-year-old, I do not care. The grown man who is stronger and more mature will beat you every single time, at least on the lines of scrimmage. And that's where BYU's found a lot of success. Great on the lines of scrimmage, and then they find those skill position players. Puka Nakua, anyone? Let's, well, yeah. How about that? Uh, right? And then you know, they take off, and they're usually pretty good. They've had a rough start, rougher, rougher start than I imagined coming into this Big 12 campaign. I thought that they would be, and I still think they are the best of the four that joined right now. Uh, but they've, they've, they've played a little worse than I thought they were because I thought they had a good foundation to build on off of last season. Yeah, if you look up their roster, by the way, their ages are not on there, by the way. <laughs> like, if you just initially see it, you have to, like, actually click on each player. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, I mean, with BYU, this is, I, I feel like, especially the way that this season has progressed, this game is even bigger than people previously expected, right? And And it's bigger in different ways, right? But I guess getting into it, you know, I mean, I'm 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 kind of curious to hear your guys' predictions for this game. I mean, I know this is a massive game for us, and with Hoover playing, you know, getting his you know first start of this season. I mean, Zion, I guess I'll start with you. What do you kind of see panning out, and 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 who's going to take home the the win this weekend? Well, um, okay, this is really hard to analyze because you have a new quarterback making a start against BYU. Obviously, they're going to have to rely on the running game a lot. BYU has struggled against the run, and so that's where Imani Bailey plays a big role. And I also thought it was curious that Trey Sanders has kind of fallen out of the rotation a little bit. He's pretty important in the first couple weeks, and last week he had two carries. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I'm going to pick BYU. I I know. I hope I'm I'm wrong, but – it's just, it's a really tough spot here for TCU and for Josh Hoover. BYU's played good enough. They're disciplined. They play good football. I'm going to go, T, uh, not TCU, BYU 24 to 20. All right. 24 20 BYU, okay. Seth. Heading over to you. Uh, Jaron Hall, by the way, was his name last mm, year. Okay. I just okay. wanted to make that clear. So BYU 4 and 1, 1 and 1 in conference play. Lone loss to Kansas. Beat Arkansas on the road. Pretty big win. I am going to take the Cougs as well. Uh, I think that the circumstances surrounding this game just kind of, you know, I'm not going to say that Josh Hoover is going to play bad, but it's his first career collegiate start, and it's in a, against a team. That is, I mean, they're not bad. They're pretty good, right? Uh, and, and BYU has experience on that roster and a very good coaching staff. So I think that uh, all those circumstances are going to lead to a BYU win by the score of 31 to a let's let's you know let's have let's do a fun score. Let's go 22. Let's go like a two, oh, two point wow. two point conversion safety right. maybe in there at some point. There you go. Right. Interesting, interesting. All right, so 31, 22, Seth. Zion, yours was 24-20. 24-20. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly right there with you guys. I'm picking BYU. I want. I I I hope Josh Hoover. Put the graphic up. Yeah, I I hope Josh Hoover and TCU prove all of us wrong. That would be the the greatest outcome. But I'm I'm saying BYU 24 to 13. I think TCU is going to come out flat, and that's just that's just my gut feeling. Um, But yeah, I'm taking BYU 24-13. It's a in our minds, looking ahead to Saturday, it seems like we've all got a clean sweep of BYU taking this. 
Um, yeah, Seth, what's up? Oh, I just want to say that I don't think this home field advantage is going to be as good for TCU as it usually would. One, we're coming off of two pretty you know bad losses. Also, BYU has a pretty national fan base, so I think there's going to be a lot of BYU fans there. Also, BYU is coming off a bye. They have not played in two weeks. They've had two weeks to prepare for this. But they also haven't had... I think one thing that could play in TCU's favor is no one's seen a lot of Josh Hoover. There's not a lot of film on him. Much like TCU with Shadur Sanders and against Colorado, do they know what's coming? That's something to maybe, you know, that might be a factor. We'll see. Yep. Nonetheless, we're all picking BYU. Exactly. And and here's here's one from, from, from out of left field real quick. One word answer, yes or no. Does TCU make a bowl game this year? And I'll start, no. One word. No, no explanation. explanation. Yeah, no explanation. Yes. No. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our TCU football segment, really everybody. Sad. I know it's a sad ending to a segment that's just tough to talk about. I mean, we, we hope TCU can turn it around. It's just under the circumstances, it's really tough. But I have no doubt that Sonny Dykes and the team is going to do all, you know, all they can, obviously, to, to prepare for BYU. And this rest of the season because they've got quite a doozy on their hands but moving on in the next segment we'll get to some college football week six talk as college football yet again delivered one heck of a weekend of games so stay right here on 88.7 the choice you're listening to riff ram review on ktcu the choice meet designated dave Hey, Dave, my main man. What's going on, bro? Dave provides a valuable service to college students. Um, hi. I just got a call from Amber. She said she needs a ride home. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on a sec. Amber! Designated Dave is always on call, ready to lend a helping hand to kids who are too impaired to drive safely. Whoa, no Dave! Dude, hey, Amber. Dave, I am so wasted right now. You don't say. Dave doesn't ask for a fare. Dave? Yes, Amber? He doesn't even mind if you Ralph on his upholstery. I love you! That's nice, Amber. But designated Dave can't be everywhere at once. So if you're planning on drinking, be sure to plan ahead. Make sure there's a designated driver with you, or have someone ready to give you a ride. Oh my god, I love this song! This message is brought to you by your friends at KTCU. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. We just talked about TCU football and their loss against Iowa State. Now we are going to shift gears and talk about week six of the college football season. There were a lot of big games, but the first one we got to talk about is the Red River Showdown between Texas and OU. Probably one of the most anticipated games of the season. Both teams at the top of the Big 12 with college football playoff expectations. And the Sooners pulled it out with a 34-30 win. Dylan Gabriel with a touchdown pass to Nick Anderson at the end of the ball game to pull it out for OU. Guys, this was a terrific game. I absolutely loved watching it when I could. You know, I had to flip between some other games, but it was a lot of fun watching it. Game of the year. This is the game of the year so far. This was so much fun. I... Uh, these games always deliver, except for last year uh, yeah. when Dylan Gabriel was hurt. Mm-hmm. But these games 
always are a ton of fun. Uh, some of the most fun I've ever had watching college football has been those that Kyler Murray, uh, Sam Ellinger game. Baker Mayfield had a very uh, had a, two games, two really good games against uh, Texas as well. Uh, but this game was a lot of fun, and it really boiled down to Quinn Ewers' mistakes. Oh. He turned the ball over three times. Uh, and that was three extra possessions for Oklahoma that they really needed because they only won this game by four. And and without those three turnovers, Texas probably wins the game because for the most part, they, they, they were able to do what they wanted to, especially in the second half when they kind of started that comeback. Uh, and, and Oklahoma really had nothing going on offense in the second half up until, you know, really late in the game when the clutch situation started to arrive. But again, just a really awesome game. Uh, the atmosphere looked aw- that 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 crowd is always fun because it's like split right yeah. down the middle and you can visibly see where it it like begins and ends. Yep. I want to go. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I I feel like that was that's also a part of the, you know is it's that atmosphere is what made this game so fun, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing that burnt orange and then that dark maroon kind of red split down the middle on either side. You have the bands in the end zone, right? I mean, it's just. At the Cotton Bowl, the fairgrounds around, yeah. yeah. This is pure college football. This is, a, this, is America. this is America. It is. It is. And and I mean, what a game it was. That ending, I don't know. I do not know how Dylan Gabriel threw that game-winning touchdown. He was in the pocket, collapsing, jumps up midair, and I think he. He he throws that strike. I didn't know how the ball got out. The best way I think I can describe it is there was a he was in the he was the donut hole. There was like a donut of 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 of, of uh, his offensive line had formed like a a full circle around him, yep. and he was just in he the was middle. In the ring. He was in the middle, and then he Dylan Gabriel is not that tall tall of a dude, and he just lobs it, and Nick Anderson is like, I'll take it, and he catches it, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and again, I mean, going back to the game, right? Can you you know, Seth, you you touched on it. Um, but right, I mean, three turnovers from Quinn Ewers. I mean, that's if you're Texas, you that is what loses you a game. You cannot give three extra possessions in, especially in good field position too, with some of those interceptions and the fumbles. Right? I mean, you can't give that up and expect to win a football game. But I mean, credit to OU. He went 75 yards in a minute, in a minute and two seconds on that last touch, touchdown drive. But again, with Texas, I mean, this is a game that you look back and say. It was in our hands, and we 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 were the ones that gave this up ourselves. Yeah, and yours. Besides, I know you can't. It's weird to say, but with besides the turnovers, I mean, he played a pretty good game. I mean, he's got a good arm, and he. It's just sometimes he makes some really confusing decisions. What do you have? I think he had two interceptions in the first two drives, right? Yeah. yeah. So this game was bonkers at the start. Yeah, it was so, wild. So Texas gets the ball first, and on the second play. OU kicks it off uh, at the Texas 22, and then Oklahoma probably scores. Then Texas is driving again, and they get down all the way to the OU 13 before he throws a he throws a pass over the middle, and it kind of gets tipped around. Uh, Jatavion Sanders gets hurt on this play, I believe, and then they pick it off, uh, and they start off really deep in their own territory. And then OU's got a punt now, after, and they're punting from their own end zone, I, I believe. Yes, from yep, their own yep. end zone. 
and Texas blocks it and scores a touchdown, and I'm already like, whoa, this is this is nuts. And then to throw in there on that drive where they threw that second interception, Texas faked a punt in their own territory that ABC's broadcast completely missed because of, it just went it was went haywire and. It's, the ball snapped, the broadcast goes haywire, and then you just see the Texas guy running down the sideline. You're like, what is ha- what is happening? And then it calmed down. And yeah. then we got our awesome ending. But yep. it was crazy to yeah, start. It was madness, and very likely we will see these two teams play again in the Big 12 championship. But as of right now, this is a... This was a massive game because now Oklahoma has a ton of confidence and momentum now where they feel the college football playoff is within reach. They've now elevated themselves to that. A lot of people just kind of assumed that Texas would be that team, but now it's OU, and it was a terrific game and a big win for the Sooners. Texas will likely have a chance at redemption when it comes to the Big 12 championship. But moving on, we're going to talk about USC and Arizona. We talk about USC a lot, but, man, they just make games that aren't supposed to be competitive pretty close. They beat the Wildcats 43-41 to in triple overtime. 2.30 Eastern Standard Time is when this game ended. A.M. Unbelievable. It was ridiculous. I, I, I saw I was like, wow, it is past midnight, and it's, we're what, in like the second quarter? I'm like, I'm going to go to bed. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, and, and to think... If you're a USC fan or Arizona fan, you know any fan of anyone on the east, uh, sorry on the West Coast, and you're not on the West Coast. Good luck. Every Saturday night is going to be a long one for you. Yeah. Yeah. In an early Sunday morning. Well, yeah. especially if you're a USC fan, because this happened all last year too. But it's like these games where you're like, all right, they're playing Arizona. Well, I can watch maybe the first quarter. Then like you know, Caleb Williams, he's gonna you know this is gonna be over. And then you're there, and you're like, oh my gosh, the, the, this is a football game. Uh, Nick Fafita. Yes. The quarterback, who is the backup quarterback for Arizona, outplays Caleb Williams in this game. Noah Fafita. Noah, uh, yeah, yep. Noah Fafita, sorry. Outplays Caleb Williams. The defenses, did they? were they there? Did they show up? They don't usually show no, up. No, no. This is Pac-12 after dark we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We need to soak in all the Pac-12 after dark we can <laughs> because it's going away, and this is what Pac-12 after dark is meant to be. Just three overtime crazy craziness. Yeah. Uh, I think what was the what was the most hilarious about this was so you all know the overtime rules. Mm-hmm. Once we get the second overtime, we gotta go for two. Yep. Well, Jeff Fish for Arizona. He's the head coach. They score in the second overtime, and he sends the kick team out because <laughs> he didn't know the rules, and so the refs are like. Hey, kicker, you got to go back. And so they had to waste a timeout because they sent the kick team out to kick the extra point. They end up getting it uh, anyway, so that didn't matter. But it was just funny that this is all happening at 1.30 a.m. Central Time, and it feels like everyone is sleep-deprived on the sidelines. I love this game. Yeah. That's all I have to say. It was a wild game, and, yeah, USC got the win. They should have probably won by a lot more, but... They're not going to be able to get away with this much longer. This schedule gets really difficult. They go, they at, they're at Notre Dame this weekend. Then they play Utah. Then they have Cal Berkeley, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. You can't keep getting away with these narrow victories where Caleb Williams has to play on like Madden rookie mode in order for them to win. And he didn't even play amazing, but 
still, that's what it takes for them to win. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Bo Nix is going to make them pay. Michael Penix Jr. is going to make them pay. Heck, even Cam Rising in Utah can make them pay. So it's like you got to play defense. Yeah, and, and I mean, we talked about it last week in, in, in last week's episode, right? I mean, is this USC defense going to show itself? I mean, is it at some point this season going to show up? Right. I mean, we, we even went back to look at USC's defensive performances last season and how they tr- had trouble against your Cal Berkeley's, your you know um, Arizona Wildcats, right? And we were all kind of saying, look, this game is a bit of a toss-up in terms of how USC's defense might show up. They they might show up great, or they may be non-existent. And again, it was that non-existence from the Trojans from, from the Trojans defense. But just like you guys said, you can't keep getting away with this. I mean, there 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 comes a point in time where your luck runs out, and I think pretty soon USC is going to have a couple more problems on their hands than they have right now. They're just lucky that their quarterback is the best we've seen in a very long time. Yep. Yeah. And even when he plays like a, a C-minus game, that's still better than most quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we will be talking about USC next week with their matchup against Notre Dame, but we have to talk about Georgia Tech and Miami. Oh my <laughs> goodness. This was just a ridiculous and pathetic ending to what had been an undefeated season so far for Miami. Going up against Georgia Tech, they had the game squared away. 40 seconds left. It's third down. You just have to snap it and take a knee. But no. Mario, Mario Cristobal thought, let's, let's run the football. Let's, let's get some extra yards. Let's, let's get a little interesting. They fumble the football, and Georgia Tech scores a touchdown in the last seconds of the game to win it. Man, I think that had every fan out there just with their hands on their head wondering why. I could not imagine if I was a Hurricanes fan watching that game. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the most blatant, fireable offenses I have ever seen. Yeah. Fireable on the dot. Like, get you, you walk off the field, get out. Now he won't be fired, but yes. this is... Yes, you're, you're, but, you're correct. But, I mean, it's funny because I, I, I was watching this game, and in the moment I was like... Oh my gosh! What did like like what just happened? Right, every single day since that game, I'm in the middle of class or you know enjoying my day. I think about the game and I just look at my I just look up at the sky and say, "What the heck was he doing? What was he doing?" And I mean, it's not even like I care about this game, but for the sake of football, like, like. Play the game, man. Yeah. Like, like, get the win. Yeah, it's like in Madden. It would be like in Madden where the game's already over and you just want to try and score another touchdown just to, you know, if you're playing your friend or something. That's what they did. And they, of course, they coughed up the ball because you shouldn't be running the ball. Like, oh, my goodness. That was hard to watch. Two, I cringe so hard. Two things here. So this is a problem for Miami. <laughs> Forever. Mario Cristobal teams, I should say. Uh, Back in 2018, this same thing arose. The Oregon Ducks, the Mario Cristobal-coached Oregon Ducks, are playing the Stanford Cardinal, a game Oregon should win, you would imagine, right? Uh, They have the ball late. They're up by a touchdown. And they could have kneeled it, but they run, and they fumble. And Stanford goes and scores the game-tying touchdown to send it to overtime overtime 
and Stanford wins. Uh-oh. That's not good. Flash forward to this year. Every single time that Miami has had the ball in a situation where they could have a victory formation and kneel it, they have run a play and ran it. Every single time. Against Texas A&M, they did it. Against, what's it called? Oh, uh, Georgia Tech, they did it. They're probably going to do it again at some point. (laughs) (laughs) They might do it again next week. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and the second thing. What was my – I always had a second thing. The – Yes. Probably the touchdown. Yes, the second team. Second thing. So Georgia Tech has this ball at their own 25-ish. Yeah. With no timeouts and like 40 seconds left. Four plays later, they're in the end zone. You're playing prevent defense. How do you let the receivers get behind you? How? Yeah. How do they get behind you? That's not. That shouldn't be possible. It's. It was very funny, by the way. This is funny. Yeah. This is comedy. It's funny and it's sad because I feel like everyone's football IQ just went down like 10 <laughs> points because of this play. It's just one of those that you look at and you shake your head and nothing else can be said, but really? Like, really? You are a head coach at a university and you make that kind of call. And and I think what's crazier is the fact that he's done this historically and he's gotten away with it. <laughs> I think that's what's even worse is, is this wasn't, hey, you know— Mario Cristobal, oh, yeah, you know, bad call. Not really sure what you were doing there, but, you know, that happens. Maybe. Maybe we could say that. It happens every year with him. So. Yeah. Well, there's a video. There's a there's a guy who did – it wasn't John Boy, but it was someone else who did, like, some lip reading on the sideline. The offensive line coach is behind – like, they're running plays at this point. Like, they're running it late. And the offensive line coach, you can see him mouthing, why aren't, why aren't we kneeling? Yeah. Why are we not kneeling the ball right now? Yeah, and the announcers were just completely shocked and like, wow, what did I just watch? (laughs) Yeah. So that was an unbelievable ending, but that will wrap up our college football talk. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the MLB playoffs, in particular with the ALDS and the Texas Rangers. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. And welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. My name is Ian Napetian, and tonight I'm joined alongside by Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. If you have been paying attention to anything with the MLB playoffs, specifically with the Texas Rangers, you would know that that is higher by Creed, which, man, the Rangers have been using as their adrenaline 
for this postseason. How are you guys feeling? I know you guys went to the game last night. That must have been a ton of fun. Yeah, it's the anthem now. It's the anthem of the Texas Rangers, and people are noticing. And, yeah, just that was really – I mean, last night's game, we did go – we didn't go together, but we were actually pretty close. Uh, it was an unbelievable experience, probably the best game I've ever been to. The stadium was absolutely rocking. I mean, it was so loud. It was unbelievable. Everyone was rallying for these Texas Rangers, and they delivered. It was so much fun. I'll talk about it a little bit more, but, yeah, so much fun. Best time I've had at a baseball game in my entire life. That was a blast. I uh, bought We bought tickets very last minute, and I'm very happy that we did because it was a great great time if you ever have the chance to go to a playoff baseball game anywhere except for tampa go <laughs> yeah that that did not feel like a postseason game in tampa that was pretty bad I, yeah it, it is an experience that you will not regret i it was a, a, just an outstanding time because going to a baseball game in the regular season is fun but that kind of environment where you're living and dying with every single pitch because you yep. know how much it means yep. is the best. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the the Rangers, I mean, I think the one term to kind of put it all together so far in this postseason is just dominance. I mean, they went into Tampa, took two games off of one of the best American League teams of the last couple of seasons. You go into a 101 winning, you know, team in the Baltimore Orioles, take both games at Camden Yards, come back and then sweep by winning Game Three. And Nathan Avaldi, I mean, he's been superb right now. I mean, on on uh, in Game Three, he went seven innings, gave up five hits, only one earned run. He had seven Ks, and again, I mean, he's just been the ace. And I mean, the thing is with these Texas Rangers, I mean, I don't really see how you can stop any of it. Their hitting is immaculate. Their pitching has been superb. In the moments where they've had issues with pitching in terms of some bullpen guys, Chapman, Spores coming in and maybe not being as, you know, having the best command, somehow they flick that switch and they turn on the dime and, and get get out of the inning. It has been one of the most dominant couple games in the playoffs I've seen, and I think a lot of that could be credited to Bruce Bochy, who's been here before. Yeah, I think that's probably the bullpen especially, that how to navigate the murky waters that he is well aware of of how murky the waters are with the bullpen he's navigated it perfectly and what's great about that the the postseason is that it's all shorter right and so he doesn't have to rely on as many bullpen arms as he normally would we've seen a lot of leclerc and we've seen a lot of you know josh spores and araldis chapman who were the three you know even though with spores and chapman they've been a little erratic at times but we've seen you know whenever they're on i think when josh spores is on he's nearly unhittable yep. uh, same with araldis chapman and then obviously jose leclerc has been the most consistent for the past two or so months so you get a lot of those guys and you weed out the other ones like brock burke and who else? Will Smith and and Chris Stratton and and whatnot. You you don't see as much of them because you you get to you get to see because the games you, you get more rest in in the, the 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 it's shorter is what I'm trying to say. And also what your Bruce Bochy's afforded that because the starting pitching has been so good to where that bullpen is not getting exposed. Yeah, a couple notes here with the pitching is that yeah Jose Leclerc has been huge. He's been the consistent guy. He's 
turning into what Neftali Feliz turned was for the Texas Rangers as that consistent closer, and the Rangers desperately needed it. But yeah, the starting pitching has just been phenomenal. Nathan Evaldi, it doesn't matter what the situa- situation is in the postseason, he just delivers. He got ahead in almost every single count. I, I mean, he threw 98 pitches, and 76 of them were strikes. That is absolutely remarkable. He's getting 0-2 counts. His splitter was working really well. His fastball is always locating well. He just doesn't let these big situations get to him. And that's the big thing with the pitching is they haven't let the pressure get to them in these big situations where they might fold in the regular season. They haven't yet. They've held strong where in game one, Chapman and LeClerc and Spores, they ran into some trouble, but... They shut it down, and that's the big thing for Texas is teams are getting in runners in scoring position, and they shut the door down. What an all-time great performance by Nathan Evaldi. It was so much fun to watch. And then how about that Adolis Garcia home run? That three-run home run took the building by storm. I mean, it he tore the roof off of that building. I mean, people went crazy. The building was floating. Yes. I I was recording. I just, you could feel like something big was going to happen because Mitch Garver had a a two-RBI double before that, and then Adolis just hits an absolute nuke to left field off Dean Kramer. He misses with a high fastball, and Adolis just takes advantage. He's such a timely hitter. And that was an insane moment. I went crazy, Seth. Yeah, that was kind of the issue for Kramer early in the game was that he was missing spots where if he if he if he hit the spots, they're really good pitches. But the the three pitches that I that that he missed that were really bad were all were the big run producing plays that change up to Corey Seager that he wanted away it comes in it's still a little bit low it's it's a little bit below the zone but Corey's able to golf it out because he's just so strong and he's a robot he's just such a good hitter then there was that change up to Mitch Garver that uh I don't John Smoltz even said it on the broadcast where uh, he he said I don't understand why you're throwing him a change up there he's the fastball I get that Garver's a good he said I get that Garver's a good fastball hitter but you just got him off balance on a curveball now go with the heat he gives that change up and Garver's able to golf it down the line and then that fastball Adolis has had trouble with that high fastball he wanted it up and a little bit more in and then that it, it sneaks out over the plate and he's able to get on top of it and, and, and hit it out of the ballpark and those three pitches are the difference in the ball game and, and and once that homer was hit by a Garcia dagger, the, the, the Orioles spirit is gone. Uh, with how Evoldi was pitching, you just knew that the night was going to be good. Yeah, and, and I mean, I feel like every baseball game comes down to those minuscule moments. I know I've talked to you guys about it before, but especially in the postseason, right, every single pitch means something. And right, with those missed pitches, you are literally inches away from getting out of a bases loaded jam. You're inches away from getting out of that first inning unscathed, right? You start off, have a good, clean first inning. Don't worry about anything. But if you miss your mark on certain pitches, and I know this. I know it's a very general statement, but it just tells you how important every single pitch is and to hit your mark, right? I mean, I think John Smoltz said it on the broadcast. He said, if this series gets played, you know, he said like nine times out of ten, this series won't look as dominant as this. Right. And I was kind of like, 
maybe. I don't know. I still think the Rangers probably would take most of the series. But this series looks like it was straight up Texas, 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 where in certain scenarios, Baltimore had a couple good opportunities, but Texas found that switch. And just like you said, Zion, they, they, they nipped it in the bud right whenever that kind of that kind of stuff was brewing. Yeah, and that's the thing with the Rangers is if Dean Kramer gets out of that with it still being 3 nothing, you probably feel a little better about that game. But then the home run, thats I think that's why people got so yeah. excited. It's like, yep, we got this. Like, this is looking really good. But that's the thing. That's what makes Texas so dangerous is that you cannot make a mistake pitch. Yeah. This team has such a good eye and awareness of the plate. They wa- they've walked so many times in this series because they have really good plate discipline. You cannot one through nine. You cannot make mistakes because they will make you pay. And they did that the whole series, and they're going to keep doing that moving forward. And that's where the Rangers become very dangerous as a team overall. First ALCS since 2011. Uh, I was. Let's do some quick math here. I was 10. I was 8 then. I was 8. I was 8 as well. So it's been a long time, I'll just say that. And it, it, you could feel it in that building too. It was kind of funny. I don't know if you felt the same way, Zion, but bef- like when the game was, like before the game, pregame, it was like the environment wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a bit more electric. But. I feel like we were all we all kind of forgot how to how to be in a postseason baseball game, and mm-hmm. then but once the game started and we got our feet underneath us as a crowd, we're like, okay, here we go. This is how we do it. Loud and on our feet every single pitch, and of course, you know, they gave us a reason to to be loud and proud, which is very important in a postseason game. It's once Evaldi got that clean first inning, and then Seager hit that that homer in the first. Oh man! Every everything was you know we were we were up for everything. Man, just, I mean, the greatest game I've ever been to. And hopefully it's not the greatest game I've been to because hopefully there's more to come this in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. And, and hey, just, just quickly, I'm curious. So, I mean, I, I'm sure some of our listeners did go to the game. For those that didn't, describe to some of the people listening what that was like, what some of your favorite moments of last night was, whether it was the game or just going on there on the car ride, walking to the stadium being like, hey, this is it. Yeah. So for me, I grew up in California. I grew up in the Bay Area, and I've always been a Rangers fan. So I've not been to many Ranger home games. So that's something I don't take for granted, whereas some people that grew up in Texas, they they might. And, you know, for me, to be able to be surrounded by Rangers fans, people that all love this team, and to be a part of an atmosphere where you know you have a chance to get somewhere that you haven't been in 12 years was so cool to me and I went with my dad he's never been to a playoff game in in Texas either it just felt so electric and amazing it just makes you appreciate how much you love baseball and I think the Garcia home run was one of the, the highs and then after the game just seeing the team celebrate the Rangers have been through so much as a team they they haven't made the postseason since 2016 they haven't had many playoff appearances. Baseball being the main story in Arlington right now just feels right, and it's been a long time since that's been the case. It was a unforgettable game, and I'm so glad I went. I'm gonna point to I'm gonna now I'm not gonna say the Garcia Homer because you said that Zion. I'm gonna pick a different moment, but I think you I think you'll like this one too. Uh, 
I, I agree with everything you said, obviously, but I grew up here in DFW, so I've been to more, and I kind of, I do kind of take a more, a little bit more for granted than I probably should, but my, the specific moment was this, and the build-up to this was just perfect. It was poetic. Nathan Avaldi has gone six and two-thirds, and he's facing, uh, who was it? Was it Jordan Westberg? It was either him or Frazier, I think. I think it was, jo- I think yeah. it was Jordan Westberg. I think so. And... He's one strike away from getting through seven innings. And I just knew that once that out happens, the place is going to explode, right? It's a long battle. Westberg takes some really tough pitches. He fouls a lot of them off. And we're just like, okay, here we go. And I believe it got to a full count. And he strikes him out. The place erupts. Evaldi walks off the mound. We know it's his last inning. And the entire crowd starts chanting, Evaldi, Evaldi, Evaldi. And he comes out of the dugout after, you know, high-fiving all his teammates, tips the hat to the crowd. Everyone else, every, everyone just goes insane. It, it was awesome. And, and, and for him to go out there and give that kind of performance, I mean, they, they don't call him big game Nate for, for no reason. So... That was probably my favorite moment was the that at-bat against Jordan Westberg and then the strikeout and then the curtain call was my favorite moment by far. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like in general, right, it's, it's, it's taken some time, but finally the Rangers have been able to make their own history, right, at, at Globe Life Field in the postseason, right? For, for Since 2020, it's been open, but Rangers haven't played there for that whole time. Other teams came in there in 2020 and then obviously 21 and 22. You know, Rangers didn't make it, to the, uh, make it to the postseason, but now you guys are back where it feels good to be. You guys got a taste of it, and there's a lot more baseball to go. Um, and, and talking about more baseball, tonight could be the night where we see the Astros take Game 3. Uh, sorry, not Game 3, but Game 4, their third game against the Minnesota Twins. That game's currently going. It just finished at the end of the third inning. It's still tied one apiece. Um, courtesy of a Michael Brantley solo home run and a Royce Lewis solo shot as well. Oh, my so, gosh. He's on fire, man. I know. Royce Lewis is just tearing it up in Minnesota. But tonight, pretty good uh, uh, pitching matchup between Jose Urquidy and Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan only went two innings, so it looks like Twins are going to opt for the bullpen game here. Oh, wow. I think that could be interesting seeing, you know, because I, I felt like when Sonny Gray went out there for game three, when the Astros really kind of were able to hit those hit those off-speed pitches off of him, they, they got into a rhythm. And I think the biggest thing that the Twins might have to do here is throw them off. Yeah. And and switching pitchers, even though you you know the Twins are probably going to use a couple of arms tonight, if that's what keeps you alive because you need to win this game, if that's what's going to keep you alive, that's what's going to keep you alive. So. I, think, I think the strategy there is that, right, where you don't want them to see Ryan a couple yep. of times, especially because Ryan's had a really shaky second half yes. of the year. Uh but then knowing that if Game 5 does happen, if you do pull this out, you're going to throw Pablo Lopez, and you expect, right, you expect to get some length out of Pablo Lopez, right? Yep. And if you don't get length out of Pablo Lopez, then your season's probably over anyway. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's like, right now the Twins have to throw everything at the yep. wall because this is their season. Uh, but for the Astros, I mean, it doesn't really seem to matter who's pitching. Because Jordan Alvarez is there, and he is having, I mean... He's ridiculous. There's probably three players right now who you can't get out in the postseason. 
Jordan Alvarez, Corbin Carroll, and Corey Seager refused to get out in the playoffs so yep. far. And we'll talk about Corbin Carroll next segment on uh, on the other side of the hour. But, I mean, it's insane right now what he's doing. He had two doubles yesterday, another homer. He has four homers in three games of this postseason. It's it's insane what Alvarez is doing. Uh, he's probably better than your team's best hitter. There's there's a, there's a, there's probably a safe few uh, players in in the league that are better than Jordan Alvarez, and, and, and I'm very confident in saying that. Yeah, I mean Jordan. Just just to note, he's gone six for thirteen with four homers and six RBIs. Yeah, I mean, I mean oh gosh, that's, that's sc- one of the few scary. players in baseball where you get scared when he yeah. comes up to the plate. He's a big dude. He can hit it a mile. And if I'm a Rangers fan. Looking at this right now, some fans are saying, we want Houston. No, no you don't. No, you, you don't. don't. As cool as it would be to have a Rangers-Astros, you want the Twins. Because I do not want a single Rangers pitcher facing Jordan Alvarez right now, or Chaz McCormick for that matter, because he tears us up. But, yeah. I, I mean, that lineup has no holes. Yeah. You look at the lineup. It, this is the lineup for tonight. Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker, Abreu, yeah. Brantley, McCormick, Pena, and then Maldonado. Yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty good lineup. In Maldonado, yeah, <laughs> except for Maldonado. Hey, yeah, uh, Jordan Alvarez with a single right now. Yeah, yeah he's just a terrific hitter. So yeah. uh, hopefully. I think all Rangers fans should want the Twins to win this yeah. series. It, no, no matter what, even if it's you know, even if the series comes to an end tonight, it's been a fun series, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to what this ALCS will be between the Texas Rangers and the winner of Houston and Minnesota. But that will end it here for this first hour of Riff Ram Review. We got a, a little bit into TCU football, looked ahead to the to their game this weekend against the BYU Cougars, talked a good chunk of college football, some. Some crazy stuff going on over in uh, USC and uh, especially down in Miami. But now, finishing off with some baseball, we still got some more baseball to get to because there's just not enough time here. I mean, we got to talk about this NLDS um, um, series going on between the Braves and the Phillies, and then obviously the Diamondbacks, man. It's just shocking the Dodgers right now. But we got more of that in the second hour, so stay tuned in on 88.7 The Choice for Hour 2 of Riff Ram Review. Mozart toasties are so very great. Kids rejoice when Mozart's on their plate. They know they're quite nutritious. And so delicious. They'll lick the dishes. And soon you'll realize how impactful your kids in Bob and the Arts can be. They'll get better grades, make more friends, and express their individuality. When they learn to play some music, act or paint or dance or write creatively. Hot from the toaster and filled with the essential creative thinking skills of an 18th century musical genius, Mozart Toasties are an important part of an arts-healthy childhood. Studies show that involvement in the arts helps kids increase test scores and promotes academic achievement. Feed your kids the arts. For 10 simple ways to learn how, visit americansforthearts.org. The arts. Ask for more. Brought to you by Americans for the Arts, the NAM Foundation, and the Ad Council. Welcome to Hour 2 of Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. We talked about TCU football and the NCAA college football over the weekend and some ALDS talk. Now we're going to continue with that baseball talk. We'll be 
discussing the NLDS, and we'll be talking NFL and NHL at uh, the final segment. So let's get right into it. Braves and Phillies. This has been easily the most entertaining series thus far. The series is currently tied at one apiece thanks to a remarkable comeback by Atlanta winning 5-4 to four, where Zach Wheeler was just absolutely dealing and a walk by Ronald Acuna starts things. Ozzie Albies drives in a run and then Travis Darno hits a two-run homer and Austin Riley gives the Braves a lead in a remarkable game that ended on an insane 8-5-3 double play. 8-5-3, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, score, yeah, hey, I mean, routine score scoring it. Re- re- routine scorebook yeah. talk. Yeah. Five, three, center, play. So that's center field to third base to first for those that don't that don't know. But currently, the Phillies are leading eight to two in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh-oh. So it looks like the Phillies are going to get a two-one lead in this series. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about Bryce Harper because this dude just continues to deliver in the postseason. He had a three-run home run today. I mean, he delivered today. Maybe didn't deliver <laughs> on the last play of the game of uh, of, of game yeah. two. But, yeah. No, I mean, Bryce Harper has been great. I mean, I think for us, I mean, we, we're – it's not, you know, that we're Bryce Harper fans, but we like to see Bryce Harper do well. You know, he's someone that – we like to root for it. He's not a bad guy. He's not a villain in the major leagues, you know. And it's great to see Philadelphia doing well. I mean, aside, you know, sometimes, you know, the Philadelphia fan base can get a little crazy and a little, you know, angry at times. But, I mean, the Phillies in the postseason, they beat the Braves last year, and they're kind of well on their way to doing it, to, to, to doing it again. And, I mean, it's it's been fun watching Citizens Bank Park just, just go crazy. Against a Braves team that is better than the one last year. Yep. This Braves team is the best team in baseball, or was the best team in baseball in the regular season. They're not the best team in baseball right now, I don't think. But you look at the lineup, and you got the boppers, man. The boppers. You got the MVP, Ronald Acuna Jr. You got Matt Will, not, Matt, not Matt, Matt Williams. Wilson. Oh, man. <laughs> Matt <that's> Olson. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I apologize. Matt Olson, who would have won MVP. Any other year, you got Austin Riley. He's a bopper. You got Travis Darno. He's a bopper. You got Sean Murphy. He's a bopper. Marcelo Ozuna from the Braves hit 40 homers this year. That's uh, that's a different kind of bopper. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty insane what the Braves' offense has been able to do. And now. It's not looking too good. Yeah, Brandon Marsh just hit a solo shot, by the way. It's 10-2. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My oh, take, stop the count. Yeah, my, my take at the beginning of the postseason was I said, yep, there shouldn't be a single team that can touch the Braves. I guess the Phillies are, are getting to them, and I think it's mainly in part due to their starting pitching. I mean, you can have all the offense in the world, but really pitching wins ball games. You see that with Texas, and you've seen that with – Philadelphia is their starting pitching has been pretty good, even though they lost, you know, last night. But Zach Wheeler still had a great outing. They haven't really had great performances from Spencer Strider. Max Freed went four innings, gave up six hits, three in runs, and then Bryce Elder got rocked. So yeah, and and I mean. Just just before this game, I mean, we were all talking about Bryce Elder's stats, right? I think on face value, they look really solid, but it's really for him, this season was a tale of two halves. I mean, he started off really well, but since, what, maybe mid-July, early July, 
it he just has really struggled and i think that's that's what's tough is that again with the braves they're pitching is strong when it's on its game but they're also very fragile at times too yeah the well and spencer strider pitched good in game one but it was more so the offense Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of been a tale of both like they can't put it all together not to get too numberies here but let's get a little numberies this is the one time i think we'll do this baseball's a good stat to get numbery on we talked about bryce elder and this is a fascinating topic for me because you talked about his first like 17-ish starts, I think, is where we can cut it off, right? Where it, start, it gets from good to, oh my gosh, yep. right? Uh, they were very good stats, but if you go and look at his percentile rankings for stuff like hard hit rate, barrel percentage, stuff like stuff like that where you can kind of see, all right, is this a fluke? It kind of was, was a yeah. fluke because those stuff were not – that wasn't very good. He was getting hit hard. He was – the people were barreling the ball up against him. But still, he was getting results. But then you always, for with baseball, what's beautiful about baseball is everything seems to come back to that mean yeah. of everything regulates. There are some times where you get extremes, right? Higher or lower, whatever it is. But for the most part, baseball is beautiful because it, everything ends up coming back to how it should be. And that's what happened with Bryce Elder's season. And we saw that tonight where he just hard hit, hard hit, barrel, homer, yeah. RBI double, homer again. And then he's gone. Yep, yep. And and when when Brian Snaker walked out, we were all kind of like, "Yep, this is you. You got to take him out. You this need to." Happened two batters. Ago. It should have happened two batters ago. Type of you know type of deal. And again, kind of very similar to maybe what the Twins are facing. Right at this point, you kind of got to throw a little more out there to try to get one of these wins. Because I mean, tonight, you know, Bryce Elder doesn't go deep at all. You're forced to go to the bullpen. How does this affect tomorrow's game, right? I mean, how how will this affect you in this in in the series going forward, right? And and right, I mean, who can you throw out going forward? And and I think that's kind of what's that's that's what's kind of tough with with the Braves right now is that your starters didn't really go as deep as you would have hoped, and you've gotten into into some really tough situations where even if your relievers maybe didn't all pitch or some of them pitched a little bit, they were really high intensity pitches and innings that you really stress their arms so i'm i'm, I'm kind of curious to see where the state of the whole pitching staff and the bullpen for the braves is after tonight yeah and credit to the phillies because this is the second year in a row they've caught fire late in the season that they, they, what they're doing right now is very impressive the braves obviously were the best team in baseball throughout the season arguably and what they're doing now is incredible and they're getting consistency from trey turner which that's what you paid him a big contract for was to show up in these big games bryce harper jt real muto nick castellanos they got a pretty deep starting lineup and then aaron nola showed up today the phillies they are figuring it out how to win in october and atlanta since winning the world series has not and they can still win the series but it's not looking great i think the i think the reason why Atlanta might lose. They lost last year, and they might lose this one to Philly. They, because in 21, that team was just filled with a bunch of ne'er do wells. I mean, we got we got we got Jock Peterson out here playing great. Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario. Jorge man. Soler is hitting tank jobs. Uh, Adam Duvall. What? A, what? That's right. Like the, and that and then they get better. You know, Matt Olson, Sean Murphy. Nuh-uh. uh uh-uh, uh. No. I want Adam Duvall, 
and Jorge Soler because they ha- they they produce in the postseason. I'm obviously being a little facetious here, but it's just kind of funny how they win the World Series when they were like, well, we're throwing Jorge Soler in the leadoff spot, or and Eddie Rosario was the NLCS MVP, yeah. and then now Eddie Rosario is still on the team and he's still a contributor and he's hitting seventh, but. You're, you still can't get it done when you got the big boppers that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, baseball is a run. It's it's a game of streak, right? I mean, it's a game of streaks. You're, you're hot, you're hot. If you're cold, man, you know, I'm praying for your bat to, to, to kind of, you know, barrel up some balls here. But that's, that's what's great about the game is that, right, even for the Rangers, and, you know, and just briefly going back, the way that they ended their season against the Seattle Mariners, who would have thought they'd take this type of dominance into the postseason, right? And, I mean, same thing with the Phillies. You just need one or two sparks here and there, and then you can completely change the complexion of your of your future in the postseason. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit to the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers because this is a series we expected Phillies Braves to be pretty competitive but this D-backs Dodgers series has been pretty much the complete opposite of what people expected the Diamondbacks have just straight up dominated this series they won 11 to 2 in game one and they won what was it yeah four to two in game two and they have a chance to go for the sweep coming back home I I mean gosh this is this is unbelievable really I mean it's Corbin Carroll is on fire and in game one Clayton Kershaw oh man as ugly of a outing as you're gonna get you'd think that when they won the World Series in 2020 people were like oh Kershaw finally got over that playoff hump Mm -hmm. and it's come back to haunt him again and I like Clayton Kershaw a lot but man it's it's just I don't know what it is. It's super frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got rocked. He, There's no other way to say it. He pitched a third of an inning and gave up six earned runs. I mean, and and I think that's what's tough, right? You're a Dodger fan. You're a, you're, you're a player on the Dodgers. You're, you know, you've gotten kind of that, that bye week, right? I, I, I guess we can say, right? And you're like, all right, game one against a divisional opponent in the Diamondbacks. You throw out your ace and you just get blanked. I mean... If I was a Dodger fan, I would just be like, all right, where do we go from here? That was our best. We just tossed out the best of our best, and we we laid an egg. You turn the Lance Lynn. That's what you do. 44 uh, homers <laughs> given up this season. Yeah. Well, so they're cleaning out the pool at Chase Field because the D-backs and the, the snakes are ready to party in the desert. Uh, I'm. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes because uh, – it's kind of lined up perfectly for for uh, Arizona now. Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly pitched games one and two. Obviously, you like your chances, I think, on the pitching matchup side, and that came to fruition uh, for Arizona. But it's been the offense, right, for me, that's been the story. The starters for uh, Los Angeles. You mentioned Kershaw's a third of an inning, six runs. Uh, Bri- Bryce Miller. Bobby Miller. Bobby, yeah. Bobby Miller. Sorry, I got Bryce. <laughs> yeah, I got. We got so many B names. Yeah. Bobby Miller goes an inning in two thirds and gives up three runs. So so far in the playoffs, Dodger starters have gone two innings. Yikes! 
And so, Lance Lynn, I have good news. The bar is very low tonight. <laughs> the bar is very low. Yeah, come All on. All you got to do is go two and a third, and you have exceeded expectations. You got this, Lance. You right. got this, man. You know what else is kind of interesting? Mookie Betts doesn't have a hit yet in this series. Uh-oh. That's wow. That's ominous. That's what is not he, good. Owen, what, like and Freddie, uh, oh four, yeah, seven. Oh for seven. Yeah. Freddie Freeman has one hit in this series. That's not good. That's, That's not not playoff aren't Freddie. Bopping. That yeah. is not playoff Freddie Freeman. Yeah, that that really surprises me. And, and credit to Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen because man, have they just seemingly carried this rotation for the Diamondbacks and got them to this point and now with the chance to clinch and they're going to our guy brandon fought yeah yeah the guy who pitched game one of a wild card series against milwaukee he's back and in a big spot to clinch the series for the diamondbacks they cleaned out the pool because they're gonna celebrate in the pool if they win the game gosh yeah wouldn't that be something though i mean the dodgers getting swept by the arizona diamondbacks do you, when was the last time the Diamondbacks made the NLCS? Oh wow! What? It wasn't when they was it? Is it oh one? Is it oh one when they won the World Series? It has yeah. to be. We're gonna fact check this right now. That's pretty incredible. I mean, it's it's been a long time coming and coming against a rival too with the Dodgers. They both are vigorously typing right now, trying to get this. Uh um, oh seven. That's still a long time. But that would mark just the third time they've reached the NLCS in franchise history. Yeah, yeah. They, they lost. They got swept by the Rock. Oh, yeah, that was Rocktober. That yes. was Rocktober. Yeah. Rocktober. And that's when they, what, Rockies won like the last 15 games of the season or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Right? That was insane. And what's crazy, too, is they they struggled to get to the postseason. I mean, they got to the postseason but lost, got swept by Houston, and they've just torn up the postseason with their offense yeah it's been pretty incredible so we'll see how that plays out game three between the diamondbacks and the dodgers and what it will look like for the braves and phillies is the phillies up 2-1 with a chance to clinch so man i love postseason baseball it is truly the best we absolutely love it but we got to shift gears when we come back we'll be talking about nfl week five you're listening to riff ram review right here on ktcu the choice Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
Welcome back, everybody, to Riff Ram Review here on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. I'm Ian Apetian, joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. We just got finished talking about some NLDS matchups, the Braves and the Phillies, then, of course, mentioning the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Both of those series really, really interesting. A couple shocking, um, you know, advances going on in both of those. But now it's time to kind of Go to some NFL talk. NFL Week 5 gave us some really interesting games. um, And NFL Week 6 is looking really solid as well. But, you know, staying with Week 5, we got to talk about the Cowboys just briefly. I don't want to rub it in, but we got to talk about it. I don't want to do it. We have to. I don't want to do it. This is like our weekly therapy session. It it could become that, you know? Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm hoping the Rangers doing well kind of softens that blow a little bit. It, it does. It absolutely does. I, I just want to make this very clear. It absolutely does. But Cowboys losing their second game of the season, 42-10 to to the San Francisco 49ers. It was a game that was highly anticipated, and I don't know how you guys felt if you guys expected the defense to just crumble like that. But at, at the same time, at least for me, I kind of looked at it and said, Look, it's the Niners. I mean, Niners are good. Niners are just simply good. Yeah, this game was really amped up to be something that people were going to be talking about. It was a really highly anticipated game. I was excited for it, but I didn't expect the Cowboys to win. What I did, I also did not expect the Cowboys to lose by 32 points. Oh, man, was that just... That was one of the worst Cowboys losses I've seen. I'll just say it, really. I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, they got beat just in every aspect of the game. Kyle Shanahan is such a wizard. This dude is such a good coach. I, I'm so jealous of the Niners that they have Kyle Shanahan. He just understands how to use everyone to the best of their abilities. Brock Purdy is that guy. I mean, that dude just has insane pinpoint accuracy. Fred Warner is also that guy. Oh, my goodness. I mean, what a game he had. He was flying all over the field. He even said he knew exactly what the Cowboys were doing most of the time on offense, which that's a great sign that, you know, the defense knows what you're doing at all times. But, man, that was a really bad loss. It's tough. This um, is not the Brock Purdy I saw at Iowa State, and I'm appalled. Yeah. I am used to seeing Brock Purdy throw it backwards to a TCU player yes. and takes it for a pick six. Yes. I'm used to Brock Purdy deflecting a pass off of himself that is then picked by a Clemson player in the Cheez-It Bowl. This is not what I am used to. This is not This is not okay. Brock Purdy, what happened? And you know what happened? He's in the perfect offense. No. If there's an offense that I could call perfect, this is perfect. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of there with you. I hate calling quarterback system quarterbacks, but if Brock Purdy's a system quarterback, then this system's working pretty dang well. Yeah, it's working really well, and he's just got a lot of talent. I I mean, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing for, for Brock Purdy or anyone that has ever stepped into this 49ers team as a quarterback all you need to do is get it to the receivers. You've got players around you. You've got the playmakers. It's just it's up to you to just get it to them. And that sounds, you know, that that's obviously way easier said than done. But 
again, Brock Purdy has done what he's supposed to do really well and really effectively. I mean, he went 17 for 24, 252 yards, nothing crazy in the air, but four touchdowns. Um, I thought the rushing game was really interesting for the Niners, too. McCaffrey didn't actually lead the rushing game um, in, in, in yards, but I mean, he had 19 carries, which was the, which, which was the you know, majority bulk of the carries, but 19 for 51 and a touchdown. Jordan Mason, 10 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. I thought that was kind of cool to see someone else kind of you know stepping into the role and getting some some opportunities but i mean this niners team is just flat out solid they don't have many holes when your defense is just one of the best defenses in the league it takes the pressure off of your offense as well right and that also might be what's tough for the cowboys right now is when your offense sputters it puts a lot of pressure on the defense and also vice versa maybe yeah, they did a really good job of neutralizing Micah Parsons. They've done that in every game, including the postseason. They've shut him down. And for Mr. Prescott, it was not a great game for him. I think a lot of people starting to lose patience with him. And the fact that I think Oren Brooks, who is like the third-string linebacker for San Francisco, got an interception – I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is bad. This is getting really bad. And look, I think Dak is a good quarterback. It's just really unfortunate that against San Francisco and against some really good defenses, he doesn't have his best. And part of that is play calling. Part of that's on him. But yeah, it was bad. Um, and I, I want Dak to turn this thing around. And he just hasn't played amazing football yet. I'm watching baseball over here, so y'all continue. <laughs> so, so quick question, and and I, I I don't need you guys to go super deep into this, but I'm curious. I mean, what's the timeline on you know, say this season continues? I mean, and and it doesn't turn out to be what was initially hoped. I mean, I know at the start of the season, you guys said I don't see really in any certain way that that um that McCarthy would you know leave his post do you think it's possible maybe i mean it's still a little early in the season but we're getting to that point where hey an identity needs to be kind of seen and it's still a bit of a mishmash i mean just what are your thoughts on kind of timetables for guys and making these types of uh, these types of uh, decisions yeah so here's the thing the cowboys cowboys fans are getting very impatient i think jerry jones is too they've seen the stars the mavericks and the rangers make it to the semifinals within the last few years the rangers haven't done it in, or the, sorry the cowboys haven't done it in 26 years there's only so much that you can change around dak prescott and mike mccarthy until you realize like we might have to change the things that are really important because we've given we've gotten new receivers gotten new running backs got rid of zeke traded for some corners we've changed a lot but dak prescott's been the one consistent thing and I hate to speculate, but I almost wonder if trading for Trey Lance was an indication of, hey, we might be running out of patience here with Dak. He may or may not be the guy that can take us to the promised land. And it may not be Trey Lance. It might, it could be next season. But I think that leash is getting a lot shorter yep. for, for Jerry and, and Stephen Jones. And we'll see what happens. I'm still watching baseball. Uh, <laughs> moved on from, uh, uh, from the Cowboys. I've moved on from the Cowboys. Uh, the the twins are losing. 
Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. interesting. The Phillies won. Yep, yep. Well, well. Anyways, moving on from the Cowboys, I don't want to, you know, put you guys, you know, put you guys you're through put, the ringer. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm getting punched in the face. I know, I know, I know. But exit, going over, exit out of that tab real fast. You know, going over, I, I think we got to talk about this New England Patriots team. One and four is just not at all what I don't know. I feel like people probably saw it coming, but you just didn't really think that that was possible. Uh, you know, this team with Mac Jones, who a couple of years ago was really looking good. And then all of a sudden, you're 1-4. and four, You score three points at home last week. And then this, this past weekend, you get shut out 34-zip to Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints. I mean, it's kind of tough. You're, you're in a tough situation. And, I mean, is, is, is there a lot of merit, you think, to the idea that Belichick is nothing without certain players at his disposal. I know Tom Brady's Tom one of the main guys, but I feel like, look, this is just something that Belichick hasn't had to deal with for a long time. And it's not that he's not able to deal with it. It's just, this is different. This is what happens when you have such a franchise that is so successful and then there's an immediate drop-off. I mean, I'm, I'm just curious to hear hear y'all's take on it. I, th- I think his bum is hot right now. Uh, he, I mean, I don't really... I don't want to. I don't like give a lot of credence to the the whole Belichick Brady mm-hmm. who's more responsible and whatnot. Yeah. I don't really, you know, care to 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 enter into those kind of discussions, especially now that we're so far removed mm-hmm. from those things. I will say this: he is the architect of this team. He all the players that they they brought in, they've drafted. Bill Belichick has had his hands are fully on it, or they or he is you know partially responsible, which makes me believe that you know. The Kraft family and Robert Kraft might be willing to to move on if things go really really bad here because the injuries are piling up. Right, we saw Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon uh, exit the game last week, and then to, these are like that was last week against the Cowboys was the worst performance or the worst loss in Belichick's coaching career, and then you follow it up with one that's almost as worse. Yeah, back to back weeks. So the vibes are not good, and I think if things continue. One, Mac Jones is going to lose his job, and two, Bill Belichick might as well. Yeah, th- losing 34 nothing to New Orleans is not a good look. And Mac Jones looks like a lost puppy out there right now. I just don't think he – I mean, he, I don't know. He just doesn't look the same anymore. And to what you're saying, Seth, yeah, I mean, it's not entirely all his fault. I mean – the players, the skill players he has, Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott, are not very good anymore. I mean, Ramondre had eight carries for 24 yards. Zeke had eight carries for 21 <laughs> yards. I mean, you're happy if Zeke gets nine yards on a run. Like, that's like a win because he just doesn't have that step, that elusiveness anymore. Leading receivers, Kendrick Bourne, two catches, 43 yards, and Pop Douglas. <laughs> Is that a is that a nineteen forties major leaguer? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I oh, mean, Douglas, that's funny. It's just and they let Jacoby Myers go and they replace him with Juju Smith Schuster. It's like, man, they just this offense is terrible. And yeah, I think Bill Belichick, his seat is hot. And just because he had some insane success in the past doesn't mean that he should be safe no matter what, because. He's not putting out winning teams right now, whereas Mike Tomlin, for instance, who's been with Pittsburgh for a while, they've always been above 500. Even if they don't have the greatest teams, they still compete. New England's not going to compete at all. They're going to have a top five pick at the end of the season. 
Yeah, well, anyway, shifting gears, we want to touch on one final game and kind of going over to a team that's really kind of found their footing now in this season with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They started off 1-0, suffered back-to-back defeats, going 1-2, and and then they've won two straight games. They won um, last week um, in London. They stayed the week to play the Bills in London. It's the London Jaguars. Yes, it is. I mean, they, 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 they beat the Bills 25-20, and I, I just got to say, the Bills traveling to London and arriving on Friday. They got there on Friday, you say? What? They got there on Friday? Yes. yes, they got there on Friday. Oh, wow. What a weird... Uh-uh. That's not going to work, guys. I've been to... I've been, like, very... Like, in time zones very far away from me before, and it took me, like, a week yes. to get enabled. And that's why I think that... I'm interested to see how Jacksonville does this week. They've been there for two weeks. Right, maybe even longer than that at this point. How you know they adjust to coming back? But that's crazy. That's insane. What are they thinking? The yeah, tri- and and that's the thing because the Bills have been there before too. It's not like this was the the Bills' first ever trip out to like recently to London. Too. Yeah, yeah, they were there recently. And I mean for for the pre for for the past two or three seasons they've been there. And so I don't know. It it, it just kind of it, it's a bit mind boggling at, at how you would think. All right, you know, leave on Friday. That's a that's a decent time change. And I know from what I, I think it's from Buffalo, New York to to the UK, it's not as big of a time change. It's still substantial. But it's still though. substantial in terms of the travel, right? For those guys to adjust, for those guys to get used to it. You're not waking up, you know, in a hotel in an area that you've been, maybe that's away from home, and you're definitely not it's not like waking up at your, you know, home in New York and then, you know, going over to Buffalo to play. I mean, this is a completely different dynamic. I, I just feel like for a team that is has, you know, that's been there, they've done that, a team that is mature at, you know, at, at numerous levels throughout, uh, I, I guess, whether it's a player or through, through coaching, I mean, to get there on a Friday is just really mind-boggling. But, I mean, this game was a solid game. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I'm really happy to see that he's doing well. He went 25 for 37, 315 yards. And a touch and a touchdown. Travis Etienne, um, twenty-six carries, one hundred thirty-six yards, and two touchdowns. I'm really happy to see that he's healthy. I've been waiting to see Travis Etienne be healthy for a full season. Now there's still a long way to go, but he is someone that I've just been, man. If this guy gets a full 16, 17 games in a year, this guy can can really tear it up. I refused to watch this game because there was no Toy Story feed for me oh to, my to watch. Gosh. I, you that know, was I so couldn't, cool. I couldn't do it. I I was like, how am I supposed to watch this football game when I'm not in Andy's room? Exactly. Exactly. Very good point, Seth. Did yes. you know, okay, I just want to say that we got a we didn't talk we didn't talk about this too much uh, last show, but if you get your ankles broken by. Bijan Robinson in Toy Story, your career is over. Got to hang it up right now. Got to hang up the cleats. It's that. <laughs> uh, I hope they do that again. I hope they do it with other, uh, like, f- movie franchises. I want to see, like, a Moana one. I want to see like a Cinderella one. I think the Cinderella one would be interesting. It's. It, I think it would be funny if it's like if a kicker missed the field goal and it's like, oh, the shoe didn't fit. Oh uh, yeah, they wore like glass slippers. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> cars. That'd be kind of cars. Ooh. Oh, could you imagine cars running routes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lightning McQueen. Would they have, quick slant would they route have hands? <laughs> Lightning McQueen down the sideline touchdown. Who would be mayor? <laughs> <laughs> mayor. 
Mayor Goodell. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny, actually, having a having a Cars animated game. Yeah. Uh, what what other ones? What other ones are there? Hmm. I honestly don't. Well, know if many it's cartoons. ESPN, it has to be Disney like properties. Yeah, yeah, that's why I mentioned. Yeah. That's why I mentioned Cinderella. So I don't know. That'd be interesting. It's Cars. Yeah, it's Pixar. Yeah, right? it's it Pixar. is. Right? Yeah. yeah, I would count. Yeah. What yeah. are other cartoons? What are other cartoons? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Why don't? Why can't we think of any right now? I don't know. Oh, oh, Incredibles. Bug, Incredibles. Bugs Life. Uh, Bugs Life. <laughs> Bugs Life was a bit of a scary movie for me <laughs> when I was How? younger. I don't know. Just like you know, creepy crawlies. You know. Real big life size bugs kind of freaked me out, you know. The yeah. B movie that the B movie was not, interesting. With that, is that Disney? It's not, but yeah. I would like it to like Jerry Seinfeld is just the narrator. <laughs> he that was, was the sideline, he was <laughs> the B. That's Sean McDonough, is what you just pulled out right well, there. Yeah, where, I'm, I'm where, trying to do the Jerry Seinfeld voice, but it's kind of hard. Yeah, oh man, where are we going? With this? <laughs> this is let's awesome. just say football this last weekend was eh. Yeah, it wasn't the most memorable weekend of football. But I will say this. I'm happy that Jacksonville's playing the brand of football that they should be. They're unleashing the potential of this offense with Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Trevor Lawrence. This offense is good. Jacksonville's legit. People uh, need to start taking notice because the Jaguars are coming. They got a good football team. Yep. Well, shifting gears, we've got our final segment coming up in this last 20-minute uh, interval, if you want to call it. NHL is coming to Riff Ram Review, something that we probably never would have thought happened happening at the start of our show. But NHL just started on Tuesday night, and we got to talk about some of the Dallas Stars who are projected to do pretty dang well this season so we've got some nhl talk coming up next here on riff ram review on ktcu the choice hey mom can we go rollerblading oh not tonight sweetie maybe another night mom parents who spend time with their kids in their younger years have a better chance of being close to their kids in those difficult teen years i'm 12 right now and when i turn 13 i'll become a whole different person someone you won't even know i'll be a roller coaster of emotions Sometimes so sweet, you wonder what my motives are. And sometimes I'll burst into tears because I can't find my biology book. Okay. And what about when I start dating and bring home some guy who wants to take me away to Burma and live in a yurt? A what? How are you going to deal with that if we're not close? Get your blades, honey. Give your family everything. Give them your time. Mom, I can't find my rollerblades. Oh, boy. Who took my rollerblades? Okay, calm down. We'll find it. Just kidding. <laughs> From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. We have our final segment here. I'm Zion Trammell with Ian Napetian and Seth Dowdle. We are going to be talking about the NHL as the season is getting going here. So first, I gotta I gotta set the scene here. So I have no background with the NHL. I'm gonna fully admit that I have not really watched too much hockey. But that is going to change this season. I am going to be watching the Dallas Stars this season. I'm excited. I can't wait. You know to dive deep into a new sport for me. 
And Ian, I don't know about you. Do you're you don't really have much either, right? I've watched one hockey game in my life. I went to it last semester in the spring. It was a Dallas Stars against Minnesota against Minnesota Wild game. It was a lot of fun. I mean, three periods was definitely kind of weird. It was kind of weird having like like three, you know, like quarters, I guess, or three periods. But no, I mean, hockey's fun. It's it's constant entertainment going back and forth. And and one thing I love about it is that it's fast paced. So I'm kind of there with you. I'm excited to try to watch a little more i'm definitely not going to stick to every single game but i'm, I'm going to try to stay in the loop a little more than i have been for the last 20 years of my life yeah i'm gonna try <laughs> i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna try to watch every game as much or at least watch highlights of every game because i just want to get into a new sport another team to break my heart <laughs> but i love the <laughs> I love the colors of the stars, though, too. That's pretty sick. Uh, and they made the conference finals last season and lost 3-1. to one. I can't remember the team. But Seth is our NHL expert, so we're going to shift over to Mr. Dowdle to talk about Hello, NHL. Hello, everyone. This is very exciting. They lost 4-2 to two to the Vegas team, uh, by the way. But the Las not... Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. Well, good that you know that one because <laughs> that is the game we're going to play. Y'all don't know many NHL teams, but today we are back in Seth's Trivia Corner. Uh, let's crank this up a little bit. There we go. <laughs> I was like, music's a little low. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Today, the two friendly faces on the other side of the glass are going to try and name NHL teams. I'm going to give them a city, and they're going to try and name the team that is there. Obviously, they've already named a couple. They know a few, but there are some obscure ones. And this is a game that will have a winner and a loser. Each person will have an opportunity to give the name of the team, and they will get a point if they get it right, and they will get no points if they get it wrong. Uh, we are just going to do uh, six rounds, right. and the winner at the end, whoever's the most points, wins the game. All right, let's do this. This All is right. uh, this is exciting. Game on. Game on, indeed. We're going to start with the team in Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> Zayn and I just looked uh, at each other out of the corner of our eyes. was like, <gasps> okay. I will also give points for if you're, like, close. Okay. I I'll give half a point if you're close. Okay. You I ha- think I know. I think. This is going to go really bad if I get this wrong. Is it the the Senators? Okay, that is your guess. Now go, Ian. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> the Boilermakers <laughs> popped into my head. <laughs> Ian. <laughs> oh. Zion? It is the Ottawa Senators. Let's go. How about that? One point for Zion. Zero points for Ian. I was like, this is such a weird response. Like, if I get this wrong, I'm going to sound so dumb. (laughs) All right, here we go. Are we ready for the next one? Sure. (laughs) We all know the New York Rangers. Okay. There is another team that resides in New York City. What is their name? Oh, okay. I think I know this. The New York Islanders. Okay, that's your guess. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I won't know that. Uh. That sounds. Um, is it the yeah Islanders? I'm gonna go with the Islanders. Ian. And Zion. Both okay. correct. Oh, it is the New York Let's Islanders. Go. Go. Two right. points for Zion. One point for Ian. Gotta come back. Ian. Come back. Gotta come, come back. back. Time. Gotta come you know. back. All right. Here we go. The next one. Y'all should know this. It is from your state. Oh. Anaheim. Oh, 
Anaheim. Oh, I do know this one. I know this one. I was thinking of San Jose. I was thinking either San Jose or LA. Anaheim. <laughs> there's an Anaheim. Anaheim. Uh. Okay. I got. I got my answer. You go first. I'm the still Ducks. Thinking. Okay. Go, Ian. Okay. Well, it's probably the Ducks now, but. Angels. <laughs> Ian, I am so sorry, but that is incorrect. Uh, Zion, that is correct. Let's it is go. the Anaheim Ducks. Wow. Okay. Three to one. Zion with a lead. He's almost clinched this thing. With one more point, he will win the game. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna do all six rounds just for the kicks in the giggles. All right, we're gonna go back to Canada. Vancouver. 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 Come on. If anyone out there can send me like some telepathic signals of what to think about right now, that'd be wonderful. Vancouver. All you can think about are the Vancouver Whitecaps, but that's an MLS team. Vancouver. Oh God. What happens in Vancouver? What what, what goes on there? Um. I'm gonna answer in ten seconds. Is it? How about we? Is it go the, at the same time? Uh, okay. Go at the same time? I, I, I gotta think of something. All right. Three. Ready? Two. One. Go. The, the Canucks. <laughs> Ian. Well, I don't even know what you said, but it's wrong. Zion. Wow. It, the I Vancouver really shocked. Canucks. I don't know why I know these. This Four is not. to one. Now, Ian. We are going to have a bonus round at the end that is going to be worth a thousand points. Oh, so. A thousand points. Okay. So. Okay. Uh. You can, There's still a chance. I guess you I know get more back hockey it. teams than I thought. All right, the fifth team. Are we ready? Mm -hmm. I think this one is easy. I don't know, though. Columbus. <laughs> oh, man. I actually do not know this one. Do you want to just take a guess? Dude, I'm sure. There's one th name that just came to mind. I, it's definitely wrong. And five. So wait, wait, hold on, hold on. T time out, time out, time out. Four and a half. Columbus. Ohio. Okay. What goes on in Ohio? Four. Oh. Columbus Potato Farmers. <laughs> the Monarchs. That would be kind of cool. Both? Both wrong. Okay. It is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, uh, and there's no... Blue Jackets? Yeah. Is this the last one? This is the last one. Uh, but the, And then the bonus round, uh, that, is worth a, that, again, is worth a thousand points. So, uh, here we go. I This is a layup. This is so easy. Oh, I think... You're making me feel stupid already. Montreal. Oh, I know this one, yeah. <laughs> this is... The New York Yankees of the NHL. Montreal. I think I know this one. Yeah. Can I can I just go? You go. I'm I've already gotten it wrong. The Maple Leafs? No. Uh, that oh, is the Toronto not. Maple that's Leafs. That's right. Oh. I know that. Ian, you have a shot to get a point. And again, you can add on to your 1,000-point total if you get it right. I don't know. But this isn't the 1,000-point one, right? No, this is not. Okay, good, good, good. That is the bonus round. Montreal. God. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs, by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. Montreal. Man. Canada is the theme here, though. Montreal. So you're on the right track with Maple Leafs. You were on the right track. Canada is the theme. All right, what is it? The Montreal Canadiens. Oh, oh my what? God! Oh, that's oh that's right on the head. Oh my goodness! <laughs> okay. So the score 
going into the final bonus round is four oh, to one. Some... But remember, it is worth a thousand points. Okay, I think this one we say at the same time. Okay. Well, you're not going to be able to. Actually, this is what you're going to do. You're going to text it to me. You're going to text this one to me. We're I don't have text. my phone. <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, oh, how about I text it and he says it? Yes. Okay. okay I'll text you Here first. Here is the question. Explain the best way you can what the offsides rule is in hockey in as short as a sentence as you can. Oh, I have to text that to you? Yeah, we'll say it. We'll just say it. Okay. I mean, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I'm hoping it's remotely close to soccer. That's, we're, look, we're, look, we're looking for remotely close to something. All right, so I will say offside is, well, the, 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 <laughs> the playing field is split <laughs> into certain areas. And I would say that at the time of, you actually can't be passed a certain uh, you can't be past one of the red lines the the red line that you're attacking when on the break and when someone passes it to you okay that's what i'm gonna say okay that is the answer that ian has provided to us zion your shot uh it's when the offense <laughs> has more people attempting to score than Defender. <laughs> <laughs> Defenders it's when no, it's when there's pre-snap motion at the at the middle of the. Someone's not on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Alrighty, that. Uh, okay, here we go. I'm going to explain what the rule is right now. Alrighty. Who, who gets the points though? Do we know after this? Not yet. I will tell you after. Offsides. A team is offside when any member of the attacking team precedes the puck over the defending team's blue line. The position of the player's skate and not that of his stick is the determining factor. If both skates are over the blue line before the puck, the player is offside. The point goes to Ian. It is the closest. He said a red line, which was wrong, but it is the blue line. Let's go. Uh, That's basically what I said. (laughs) A thousand and one to four is the final score. Ian, you are our winner today. Congratulations. I'm proud. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of this victory. I just want to say I want to give a shout-out to Zion Chamble, who's been a great competitor yeah. this evening. It's fun. You know, a lot of people ask me what would happen if I never won this game, and I guess we'll never know. Oh! oh. Yeah, that stings. I choked, but, you know, we'll, we'll I hope bounce we, back. I hope we learn something as we get into our hockey fandom here, as we hopefully continue to talk about this. Now we yeah. know some of the teams. We do. Uh, and we're going to go further into this, knowing some more stuff about it. Now we can, you know, explain, you know, if there's a controversial offsides call, yep. we know what it is. Yep. Exactly. But Hockey. I think I think the, the other thing we wanted to talk about that we actually did want to talk about the actual season that is upcoming. Uh, we're going to talk about some of who are the favorites to win the Stanley Cup this year. In my opinion, the Stanley Cup is the best trophy in all of sports because it's a big old cup that you can drink beer out of. It is pretty sick. It's pretty yep. awesome. And uh, we got two different things ways we're going to be looking at it. We're going to be looking at the FanDuel odds to win the Stanley Cup this year uh, as of. October 11th, and also The Athletic ran a poll asking their NHL writers about who they think is going to win the Stanley Cup. We'll start with that, because that has the most optimistic odds for your Dallas Stars, who Let's thir- go. 33.3% of Athletic writers think the Dallas Stars are going to win the Stanley Cup this season. I love it. 
I love it. And stars. Yeah. These are the only I know Joe Pavelski and I know Jason Robertson. And that are the only players I, I can't remember the, the Who's that other guy that I always mistake? Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben. Yeah. Yes, Jamie Ben. Tyler Sagan, get to know him. Jake Ottinger, oh, yeah. oh, the goalie. Sagan, yes. Jake Ottinger, so there that's... we go. There's some other names. And the more you watch, the more you'll know. Because uh, you'll just see them. We're going to run the table this season. Seth, why are the Stars so favored? The Stars are so favored, and this is according to The Athletic, is where I'm getting a lot of this information from. Uh, the Stars are coming off a season where they made the uh, Western Conference Finals. Um, they have a, a lot of talent, a, a ton of talent. Um, a very exciting you know, goalie in Jake, uh, Jake Ottinger, who's been awesome in the playoffs and awesome in the regular season. Um, so yeah, that's those are some of the reasons why uh, I think Ottinger is the main difference. That's kind of what a lot of the athletic writers said as well. Is that when you have someone who's elite at stopping the puck, you you can go a really long way, and that's what the stars have in Jake Ottinger. And that's why I think a lot of people think even they're not even though they're not favored odds wise, uh, I th- they're the f- the sixth highest odds to win the Stanley Cup according to FanDuel. Uh, I th- I still think that a lot of people think that they're uh, defense, especially with Jake Ottinger, is going to be something that they can carry them. And then they have elite goal scorers as well. Jason Robertson has uh, led the league in points the uh, last two seasons. So that's something to watch out for as well. Do you think, and, and so the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup this season. How do they repeat their success for last season, and do they? Uh, you know, it's going to be tough. The Western Conference is really, really good. you got Colorado, uh, Edmonton, uh, and uh, I'm blanking. Why am I blanking? Oilers. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I know. Oh, I know. sorry. I'm still thinking about this <laughs> game. <laughs> you got it right. There you go. Good job. Uh, who else am I thinking in the Western Conference? Oh, Dallas. Duh. Um, so it's there's a lot of competition. Uh, Vegas, you know, they've for how new of a franchise they are, they already have two Stanley Cup like appearances under their belt, which is what's that's what's awesome about hockey is that these expansion franchises are able to come in and compete immediately. That's what's cool about it, right? Uh, you see some expansion franchises in other sports and it takes them a while to get their feet wet, but uh, Vegas made the Stanley Cup Finals the first year that they were in the league and then they won it this past season so i don't think that they will repeat but i think they have a pretty good shot i just think that the western conference is too good uh uh is is just really good and it's just a gauntlet well i'm i'm excited i think this should be a really interesting season i can't wait to get into it uh they play st louis st louis tomorrow night uh it's gonna be a good time if you're willing if you're wanting to watch another team that's not the stars, and it's going to be entertaining. I highly recommend Edmonton. Uh, they have the offense is just prolific. It is a ton of fun to watch Edmonton play. Now they do choke in the playoffs, but that is that is a different story. And a theme, a thing to keep an eye out for: a Canadian hockey team has not won the Stanley Cup since the '90s. Isn't that their sport? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on now. The last team to win it was the Montreal Canadiens back in the 90s. It has been 20-plus years since they have won the Stanley Cup. Uh, Edmonton uh, was the team that looked like it might they might be able to do it last season. They got eliminated. Uh, Toronto uh, got over the hump. Toronto hadn't won a playoff series since 2004. They had just continually just blah, blah, blah. And then they finally got over the hump last year. But then we're... 
you know, eliminated. So it's interesting to see how these Canadian teams, you know, go about it. But uh, that's hockey. It's yeah. really, it's like baseball. It's unpredictable. So we'll see, you know, what the season, uh, how the season goes, how it unfolds. And, and if you're a DFW hockey fan, you got a lot to look forward to, hopefully. Yeah, the Dallas Stars are going to win the Stanley Cup this season. You heard it here first, folks. That will wrap up our episode here, Episode 7 of Riff Ram Review. If you're listening on 88.7 The Choice, we appreciate you. If You can also follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Riff Ram Review, as well as Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at Riff Ram Review. For Ian Napishan and Seth Dowdle, I'm Zion Trammell. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.